Welcome to Sports Weekly with Ayaz Memon. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Sports Weekly with Ayaz Memon. We've got a lot of action, like we always do. We lead in with the IPL final. The Gujarat Titans are the 2022 IPL champions. But it's not just the cricket. There's a new European champion with Real Madrid winning the Champions League. Liverpool, unfortunately, could not complete their dream for. In fact, they ended up with only two titles, having lost the Premier League the weekend before. There's also some action from the Monaco Grand Prix. And all the roundup of the French Open from Roland Garros. But before everything, here's a Yasmin. Thank you, Mr. Fantastic. And uh, yes, Gujarat Titans in their maiden venture in the Indian Premier League, they are champions. It's been a remarkable journey uh, for the Titans. Remember, when this team was put together, there were a lot of skeptics wondering whether uh, this team could make any headway. The only prize catch they seemed to have really was Rashid Khan, who was unarguably the number one next spin bowler in the world. But beyond that, yes, they had a clutch of some very fine players. But were they good enough to win the win the tournament? Not many thought so. Because when, when you looked at the spread of the other teams, they seemed to have as much talent, if not more, than Gujarat Titans. And I think the big question, of course, was whether Hardik Pandya was the right man to be made captain of a team. Now, Hardik Pandya has not had a you know good couple of years before before this tournament. He's been injured. He's been out of the team. When he's been in the team, he hasn't been able to perform, especially in the T20 format. There were lots of questions whether he's an all-rounder any longer because he, he, he would bat, he wouldn't bowl. If he bowled, it was the odd over and so on and so forth. But when they took the field in this, in this tournament from match one, when they beat the other debutants in the Indian Premier League, Lucknow Super Giants, that was the first match that they played against each other. Gujarat Titans won that. Uh, in a very exciting finish, you know, and that's a kind of set the trend for their journey in, in this tournament. I mean, when you look back, it seems like a, they've won in a canter. It's been the most emphatic win. Uh, they've coasted through the league phase and then they did extremely well in the playoffs. But when you look at it a little more carefully, all the scoreboard, you'll find that there were at least three or four matches which they won from virtually impossible situations. And that showed really the character and the metal of this team. Uh, Hardik Pandya himself coming into his own as an all-rounder, but even more so as a captain. I'm sure we'll talk about that. Mohammad Shami providing breakthroughs right at, in, in the power play, almost you know inevitably in every match. Rashid Khan bowling as brilliantly as always. Runs from Rahul Tevatia, no less, uh, playing some magical knocks. Shubman Gill, how can one forget him? At the top of the order, and before I, you know, pass out, pass it on to you, Mr. Fantastic Riddhiman Saha, uh, who would have thought that he would make 300 plus runs in the season? Not really seen as the first choice player in the playing eleven. Only played because Matthew Wade got injured. Once he got into the playing eleven, he never got out, and so on. There are multiple heroes for Gujarat Titans, but all of them added up to one great campaign by a terrific team. And I think that's the whole essence of success, isn't it? You don't have one guy who's carrying you through the season. I mean, you need it to be small contributions all the way around. And like we saw uh, across most other teams that have been successful for long periods, there's more than one contributor. I want to talk a little bit about uh, the emergence, really, of uh, Hardik Pandya, the captain. You know, he wasn't really seen as captaincy material. I mean, he was his place in the team was up for grabs at one point. but is he now a future contender for the captain's role? 
Well, he could be. I mean, look at the way he's led this team. You know, even in the final, he picked up the wickets of Butler, Samson and Shimran Hetmeyer. That really tore the heart out of uh, Rajasthan's challenge, so to speak. When Gujarat Titans batted, he played. He may not have made a half, half century, but he played a very crucial knock. Remember, the final two went into the 19th over. So, it was a modest total to chase, but it was by no means a stroll in the park. You know, Rajasthan Royals, I thought, fought splendidly. So, kudos to them. But Hardik Pandya as a captain, I think, is somebody who has opened up everybody's eyes to his potential as a leader. I think he's he's absorbed the best qualities of Virat, Rohit Sharma and, in a sense, Mahendra Singh Dhoni, under whom also he has played for India in white ball cricket. So, he's learnt a lot. He's obviously a, a very sharp cricketer. You know, he's got a very strong and sharp mind. Now, he's had his kind of blemishes and his setbacks and pitfalls, not the least that television show which he did, which got him into a lot of problems, earned him a reprimand, almost kind of finished his career. And then there was the injury. And I think the way he's handled all of these, uh, as I mentioned at the start, there were lots of skeptics who thought, Hardik, ha ha, how can he be a captain? Look at him, he shoots his mouth off. And then they said, oh, but Hardik, he's injured, he can't keep his place in the team. And he's proved everybody wrong because he's rededicated himself to the task of becoming an India player. And I think that's really the upshot of what I gather from the IPL season that has just passed, that India has regained Hardik Pandya as a champion all-rounder. Hardik, in this form, becomes integral to the team. He's your first-choice player in that sense, along with Rohit Sharma, Jasprit Bumrah, and maybe, uh, you know, maybe Kehil Rahul, and just about them, you know. The others would all be on notice, so to speak. India has been needing uh, a fast-bowling all-rounder, if he comes into the team, you can actually dispense with an extra batsman. You don't need an extra batsman. As an all-rounder, he fulfills both roles so wonderfully. As a batsman, he can play as a batsman alone. He can play as a bowler alone. He's a brilliant fielder. He just kind of ticks all boxes. And you've asked about whether he can be a future captain. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's certainly one now in the reckoning. If Rohit, for some reason, is not fit or is not available or whatever may be the case, then who does... You know, who do the selectors turn to? Yes, there's KL Rahul. Uh, yes, there's Jasmeet Bumrah, who's been talked about it. Yes, there's Rishan Pant. And then there is Hardik Pandya. So, yes, in that sense, he's in the shortlist of people who can captain India. Absolutely. Well, let's also touch upon briefly the whole Rajasthan campaign. I think that was a really good campaign. But uh, they did have to play that extra match where the Titans did beat them in the first qualifier. and that, I think, would have taken a lot out of them having to play another match. If you ask me, they should have won the first match. They lost that. Then they had to play the Eliminator against the Royal Challengers Bangalore. Thanks to yet another amazing performance from Josh Butler, saw them over the line. But do you think that just took a toll on them in the final? It may have. It also, you know, kind of gave them the opportunity to cost-correct a bit, knowing that they might face Gujarat Titans against in the final. So, you've had a kind of a match before the final, the final before the final and yes, they lost, but there were things to learn. I think, to be honest, one has to give credit to Gujarat Titans for this victory in the final. Uh, uh, and you know, apart from Josh Butler, who got a, a fairly chunky score, the other batsmen couldn't click. And that's largely because of the way Hardik himself bowled and the way the rest of the bowlers also responded to his call. Uh, and I, I think maybe 30 runs more, 35 runs more would have, would have made it a, a, a tighter match, a closer finish. I actually thought that this pitch 
uh, on this pitch, 165, 170 was a competitive score. You didn't need 200. But they, they kind of folded up for about 130, which was never going to be enough. And then, you know, R. Ashwin, I thought, uh, didn't have a great match with the ball. He was deployed very tactically towards the end of the innings. But I can't blame Ashwin because the total was too meager to, to control. Uh, a, a drop catch in the start, if they had got Shubman Gill in, in uh, 10 bowls first over, who knows? But, you know, these are ifs and buts that can come across. One can come across in every match. Uh, the, the, the ball truth is that Gujarat Titans were just too good. Absolutely. Overall, you know, this was an IPL that saw a sea change. We had two new teams. We had a very, very different team construct across the board. And there was still the limit on how many fans could attend most of the matches until the final where over 100,000 fans uh, saw the game in the stadium. I think that in itself is an achievement. But how would you generally rate this IPL compared to the previous seasons? I think it was a fantastic season in terms of the quality of the matches played and the you know and the, the performances of the teams. Imagine a, a, a new team winning the title. It's almost like going back to 2008 when Rajasthan Royals won the title in the inaugural season. So, in that sense, and also Lucknow Super Giants being in the playoffs. So, you know, it's, so it shows that it's not just the old teams and the old guard. The new two teams made a big impact. It told us something about how teams which had approached the mega auction smartly and made some really astute choices and picks, did extremely well. And both Gujarat and Lucknow are a uh, testimony to that. The, the number of close finishes, last over finishes, some of the matches in which Gujarat Titans finished winning it in the last over in a flurry of sixes, those were edge-of-the-seat, breathtaking matches that one saw. The only thing I could think, think about, uh, you know, what too many double-headers can perhaps take a toll of, of fans you know, if you want, watch, even as a viewer, if you're watching both matches on the day, you're spending maybe 12 hours or 11 hours of the day in front of the telly, and that might be a bit too much. Also, the season being a little longer, rotation of the matches could have helped, but that was beyond the control of the BCCI because uh, they restricted it to to start with to just two cities, four venues in two cities, which was good thinking. Because players were all in the bio bubble and you had to manage it, and you know the last year, last season was a bit of a disaster after the first phase. We know, so all in all, I think uh, it, it was handled extremely well. The one thousand one lakh four capacity crowd at Ahmedabad just showed the power of cricket in India, and to go through a long tournament for what eight weeks and more uh, without any untoward incident, without having a problem of Barring a little blip of some COVID cases in Delhi capitals, you know, at the halfway stage, this tournament went, went over, went across completely uh, without a hitch. And I think that is, is something in itself. That's a great learning. But as I mentioned, the other learning is so many matches, so many double headers. Uh, is, is, this, is this something that television audiences want a little different, want a little more, perhaps? Because there were so many stories of TRP ratings not matching up to previous season and you know viewership down etc. I I found one reason why that may be that may be true and we discussed that in one of our earlier shows in that more and more IPL and other sport is being consumed uh, consumed on the digital space not just on television where TRP is measured. So somebody has to do a little more research and come up with more hard numbers as to where uh, you know, the IPL's appeal is whether it's slipping a bit or whether it's static or whether it's going up. 
Well, the biggest question that I now have is what are we supposed to do with our evenings from now on? But, well, thankfully, that question, at least for the next one week, has been solved with the French Open being back in full flow. And there's there's a lot of action, and I suspect a new champion in the making. We've said this before, you know, that Carlos Alcaraz is probably uh, the next major champion in waiting, at least I believe so. Having seen the way he's performed so far, he had a really tough five-setter in the first round, and after that, it's like he's found his groove. The big match, however, that is coming up is a quarterfinal showdown between Rafa Nadal and Novak Djokovic. And this is thanks to Rafa Nadal losing a fair bit of his ranking and now falling into the wrong part of the draw. But what most of us would expect to be a final is actually a quarterfinal. Have you, have you been following the French Open much, Ayaz? I have as much as I could in this IPL, you know, brouhaha. Uh, and I, I think that uh, the, the last, as you mentioned, the second week or the next week is going to be uh, fantastic to watch because there's so much action that is being promised and some uh, you know new talent coming up some of the old big guns still around so this is something that is going to occupy my mind space certainly and my viewing time absolutely well with that action and to discuss about the Champions League final with Real Madrid winning its 14th Champions League and the F1 action from Monaco here's Samuel Arora Thank you, Mr. Fantastic. And we all were wondering a month ago, what will happen to Liverpool? Will they end up doing the quadruple? Well, I just came on Sports Weekly last week to tell you that if you're a Liverpool fan, unfortunately, that quadruple has been reduced to a triple. Because last week, of course, we discussed the Premier League finale and City edging on Liverpool very, very narrowly. Actually, by just one point at the very end. But this week, it was a time to keep the treble alive. The Champions League final. Liverpool versus Real Madrid at the Stade de France in Paris. And first up, right, before I tell you anything about the game, Something really crazy happened outside the pitch. We saw lots of Liverpool fans actually jump over the uh, jump over the fence in a way, and they got into the stadium for free without purchasing any of the tickets. And that sort of vandalism firstly postponed the game by 30 minutes because the officials outside had to spray tear gas and they had to just organize a mass police block police blockade of sorts to keep the fans away. It was crazy, and the Champions League final started well way off the target. Right, it was supposed to start off. At around 12.30 India time, as far as I remember, kickoff was around 1.15 India time. So already that was a bit of a dampener on it. But when the match began, oh my word, was it super entertaining. The delay was kind of made up for by Liverpool's attacking because they were so pinpoint. They were able to make so many other chances. And Liverpool were boosted by the fact that Fabinho and in the same time, Thiago Alcantara were able to play. So their team was completely playing at their full strength. And so you could see chances after chances being made all the time, with Salah creating opportunities, Mane getting in front of goal, Thiago creating balls consistently. But his one man who delivered for Real Madrid, Thibaut Cortua, ended up making the most saves that any goalkeeper has ever made in a Champions League finale. And he was the saving grace for Real Madrid in the first half. So... Things were tied up nil-nil in the first half. And just before it ended, Real Madrid only had one chance. That's right, only one chance in the first half. Courtesy of Karim Benzema, who got a bit of a loose ball and tucked it away into the goal after Fabinho had a bit of a deflection. But that turned out to be offside. So, even Stevens halfway through, we all thought that the momentum was in the favour of Liverpool. But in the second half, they just looked toothless of sorts. They weren't able to manufacture any major chances. 
And when Vinicius Jr. got the chance to score in the 60th minute and put it away into an empty net, that was the moment that Madrid won the Champions League final. Because after that, no goals came in, no big chances per se to score came in. And Madrid won their 14th, that's right, their 14th European Cup. That is frankly some absolutely ridiculous stuff. Nobody has ever won any of that sort. And it's Madrid's 8th Champions League. So they've won 14 European Cups and 8 since the Champions League era. And it's fantastic how many titles they've won eventually. And this team has just done the unthinkable. The La Liga, the Champions League, Madrid have been absolutely on fire this year. And Carlo Ancelotti even came up and said, well... I am the record man. I deliver records like this. Remember, back in the day, he was also the manager who delivered Madrid's decima, the 10th title. And since then, they've gone on to win four others. Can you imagine? It's been a frankly crazy decade for Real Madrid all the way through. And they've won twice as many times as any other side in the history of the competition. That's right. AC Milan second at seven. And Real Madrid have 14 European Cup titles. It's just unbelievable. But on the side of Liverpool, it's such a sad story because throughout the year, they have been an amazingly good team. In the Premier League, in the Champions League, they've been consistently on the top of their game. But it's such a shame that both in the Premier League and the Champions League, they're just second best and second best by just a very tiny margin. The margin in the Champions League final being Thibaut Courtois and his amazing array of saves. So at the end of the day... It's 1-0 to Real Madrid. The last three Champions League finals have actually finished 1-0. And courtesy of the defence of Madrid and just that one counter-attack from Vinicius Jr., they've got their 14th. And Liverpool will be struggling to cope up with this because at the start of the year, a quadruple seemed so likely. But that's the thing with cup finals, right? Some go in your favour, some don't. And Liverpool have faltered in this occasion. Many wondered, actually, would Salah's availability make a difference? Because remember 2017-18, same match, Liverpool versus Real Madrid. Salah got injured and Madrid ended up winning. And Liverpool fans said, well, if Salah would be playing the whole match, Liverpool will win, no doubt. Well, Salah was playing for the whole match, but they still ended up losing. So I suppose that puts to rest all the, all the conspiracy theories of that sort. But whatever it is, this Real Madrid team has to be cherished to be one of the greats of this last decade. Because even after losing so many stars, even after faltering for a couple of seasons, they've just come back in and have absolutely hammered the entire European competition in. They have been tremendous and wow, this record is still hard to believe. Well, while on one side, Real Madrid's record of winning 14 European League titles is absolutely unbelievable. In the world of Formula 1, Charles Leclerc's bad luck in Monaco is just as unbelievable as well. Because throughout his racing career, not just Formula 1, also in Formula 2, Leclerc has been mighty fast at his home race. He's just been tremendous. He's actually got pole position here twice. In Formula 2, he was superb here as well. And many a times, it's just some problems that have dogged him from actually going out there and even finishing a Monaco Grand Prix in the first place, be it some technical issues with his car, be it a crash of some sort, or be it, like last year, an opportunity not to start the race because of some technical issue caused by his accident in qualifying. So, luck has just not been on Leclerc's side. But with Ferrari having the best Formula 1 car this year, well, disputed again with Red Bull also being very close, but still you get the argument that Ferrari being a top car... We thought that this would be Leclerc's here. His pace over here is undisputed. You just cannot deny the fact that he's one of the best driver on Monaco across generations, but he's just not been able to finish. So, 2022 was supposed to be the year. Leclerc, in fact, went on on Saturday and clocked in pole position. His lap was 
good enough because he was supposed to have a better lap in the bank, which was uh, supposed to be mighty good, probably one of the best laps of his life. But Sergio Perez ended up having a crash in qualifying and Carlos Sainz, unfortunately, also crashed at the same place. So, red flag, Leclerc secures pole position, Sainz second, uh, Sergio Perez third and Max Verstappen fourth. That was the lowdown on qualifying. So, with the race beginning, a, a touch of bad luck already started to come along because we saw the clouds just cluttered over Monaco and what was supposed to be a dry race suddenly became a totally wet one but Leclerc still held his cool for the first 23 odd laps because he was able to sustain the car and the field behind him because the conditions were super tricky super slippery in Monaco it just could have been possible to crash out at any given moment of time but he held his nerve until it started to dry out because that's when Leclerc actually made a bit of a strategy blunder in fact it would be unfair to say that Leclerc made a strategy bl blunder, but Ferrari did in a way because they misjudged the time to switch over from the wet compound tyres to the drier ones as the track dried out. And Red Bull Racing timed that to absolute perfection. It was Sergio Perez who ended up beating both Carlos Sainz and Charles Leclerc in the entire race because Perez eventually made the right strategic call with his team. He went on to the intermediate tyres early enough and was super fast. So he was able to come across ahead of both Leclerc Signs and his teammate Max Verstappen and at the end Sergio Perez held his nerve to win his first ever Monaco GP and only his third Formula 1 race and the timing of this is just perfect because last week Sergio Perez was dragged aside by Red Bull Racing to gift a win to Max Verstappen and this week he's come out and said well I'm not a number two driver I am much more than that and he's done that by winning the toughest and the most prestigious race on the Formula 1 calendar. Sergio Perez has won Monaco and many are wondering, is it Sergio Perez winning Monaco or is this just a case of Ferrari losing Monaco? Because it was all in Ferrari's hand until Mick Schumacher's red flag. He crashed out in a dramatic fashion when the track was just drying up and the car split apart into two pieces in a crash that you much, must watch. Look, Mick Schumacher is fine, by the way, so that's a good thing. But till that point, Ferrari were in a comfortable zone. Just a couple of laps ago, Leclerc was leading and then the strategy blunder happened and just Ferrari could not recover from that. So, tough weekend for them and Leclerc's Monaco curse, if you'd like to call that, continues as well. But with a couple of weeks' time for a break, they will have to recuperate and see what they can do when they come back in Baku. But crazy weekend. And Sergio Perez now, actually, becomes the most successful Mexican driver ever in Formula 1 in terms of wins as well. He was already the most successful in terms of races started and points accumulated. But what a race weekend and an entertaining Monaco Grand Prix. Well, to find out exactly what went wrong for Charles Leclerc, we tune into the Inside Line F1 podcast where we are going to discuss his strategy and just understand where did Ferrari go wrong and why did they lose, not just with Leclerc, but also with Carlos Sainz, who genuinely could have also had a chance of winning his first race in Monaco, which would have been his first ever Formula 1 Grand Prix win. But folks, that was incredible. If you had the chance, watch the highlights or if not the highlights, the full race itself, because it was tremendous, great fun. And even though we did not get the whole race distance in the way, we just had so much of drama packed into all of the 68 laps. What a weekend. Thank you so much for that, Samil. Amazing as always. And what a sporting weekend we've had. Gujarat Titans are the IPL champions. Real Madrid are the champions of Europe. We are waiting for more champions to arise from other sporting events. And as they happen, you'll keep getting them on this very show. Remember to subscribe to us on the platform of your choice so you're notified of every new episode. Until next time, it's a bye from us. But thank you all for joining us. Thank you, Mr. Fantastic. Always a pleasure to be on the show. The IPL is done and dusted. But 
There's a lot of sporting action happening and we'll be catching up with you again next week.